When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Smoke Podcast. I have so much reverb now. I don't have it. It sounds cool. I sound like I'm important. Aubrey Marcus is so fucking sweet. He started on it and he writes lots of books and he does programs on the internet to make you a better person. And he's real buff and he has a hot girlfriend and that's really rad. Oh. Susan going live. <laughs> no, let's go ahead and just keep the let's just keep that uh, keep the reverb going. reverb going the whole time. That's uh, hysterical. One and only Swole Patrol podcast, uh, the comprehensive health and fitness podcast, including not only the body but the mind and the spirit. Uh, our guest today is an author. He is a modern day poet, a warrior, all at once. He is the founder, uh, most notably known as the founder of a fantastic company known as On It, and I'm talking about the one and only Aubrey Marcus. How are you, man? I'm great. <clears throat> All is well. It's been a long time coming. I'm really, really glad we had a chance to talk to you, though. Yeah, I'm stoked we got to make this happen. Um, do you, real quickly, give us a background on how Onnit became a thing, because you know a, a company ge- geared at total human optimization doesn't exactly sound like your run-of-the-mill thing, and you were a very young man when it got started. How did that all come about? Well, yeah, I mean, not not that young. I was 31, and it feels like a long time coming. You know, I mean, by that point, I was really pretty frustrated that I hadn't been able to create something that I, I really felt like was in my heart and soul um, until that point. But I, you know, now looking back, I realized I just wasn't ready um, to to be the type of person that could build this this company. So I'm glad that it, in my mind, took as long as it did. Uh, but really, it started with one really good idea, and that was to create um, a cognitive enhancing supplement that you could actually feel something that you know wasn't just ninety percent imagination that you hoped it was good for you, but something that had a noticeable impact, but was derived from natural components. And that was really something that the market hadn't seen, and we started with that. But it was always an understanding that you can't just create a supplement and take a pill and have all of the functionality and performance that you're looking for that the whole body mind and spirit works together in unison so we had to support all the different systems uh, but it started with that one good idea with alpha brain and you you have an idea you say look i'm going to make something that's going to be effective as a you know with your neurotransmitters it's going to be a cognitive enhancer but you're you're not you're not a scientist i mean where does that go from there it's just a good idea how do you how does that not seem intimidating and daunting to then actually make a product that works Yeah. I mean, I think you just have to not, you have to know that you're not going to rely entirely on yourself. You know, I had access to great doctors and great scientists and a whole body of literature that was available on PubMed to help form this, this, you know, form this initial formula. So it's really just leveraging the resources around you to solve a big puzzle, you know, and that's really, I think one of the, my main strengths is just solving puzzles and you use all the pieces that you have available and, um, you know, fortunately there's with all the research that existed and with all the, the resources that I had available from the athletes and doctors and the scientists and the researchers already at my disposal from various connections, 
that I'd already made into pro sports and into the medical field. Um, you know, we were able to put together a pretty solid first run at this and then ultimately back it up with those two double blind clinical trials at the Boston Center for Memory to really validate that not only did we think it was working, but that it actually was uh, compared to placebo. And I mean, the companies spawned on to become something that's really, really quite remarkable with all the different nutritional supplements and the foods and, and, not, and the Onnit Academy and the actual physical brick and mortar Onnit Academy in Austin. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's really something that you should be very proud of. And, uh, and it's more than just a feather in your cap. Um, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I really feel like I'm living the dream. You know, I walk into work and it's, it's my version of paradise, you know, to, to a great degree. So it doesn't mean that, you know, paradise doesn't go to, go to hell every once in a while. Sure. And, uh, it's really stressful and challenging at times, but, um, overall, you know, I'm, I'm truly living my dream and super grateful to be able to do it. Now, the book, Own the Day, Own Your Life, Optimized Practices for Walking, Working, Learning, Eating, Training, Playing, Sleeping, and Sex. I've, I've bought the book. I've read it. And one of the things that I took away from it that, uh, you know, to me, it really hit home was the idea that the, I, I guess, uh, let me get the, the notes here, the, the wide peripheral gaze. It was something that really, I mean, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's not something that I can say I've mastered or that I fully understand. What is your, you know, give us a, a short synopsis of the wide peripheral gaze. Yeah, really, there's a couple different thoughts with meditation. And, and that's, you know, really a form of mindfulness. It's a way to get out of the thought patterns of your brain and into, you know, some slower, deeper cycles or, or even even you know, stillness, which is really the goal. And I think there's two ways to go about that. One is you focus on some one thing very intently, and that could either be your breath or that could be a chant, you know, or that could be, um, you know, there's a variety of different methods. You can focus on a dot. You can focus on the open space behind your eyes, which is called open focus meditation, all these different techniques. Well, the Native American uh, trained tracker Tom Brown talks about a technique where you don't focus on one thing. You really focus on everything. And in doing so, it almost overloads your senses with so much information that there really isn't room to think about anything else. Like all of those bits of information coming from all the pixels that are now available to you as you stop focusing on one thing, but allow yourself to open your gaze to the widest possible point. It's like the opposite of sensory deprivation, which is another way to get to stillness. It's sensory overload. And in sensory overload, you can, can also find that really deep sense of stillness and the, the really the value of it is that you can really do it anywhere. And so it's a very practical kind of pragmatic way to practice mindfulness where you just, you know, open your gaze to the widest possible point, take in as much visual information as, as you possibly can mm -hmm. and combine that with some deep breathing. And it's really quick and effective. You don't need a meditation cushion in the perfect incense to really reach a state of stillness. It's awesome. It's awesome, man. I love it. Um, <laughs> were you always this kind of uh, open-minded, very kind of uh, intellectually curious person, even as a little kid? I mean, this it, it's really the, the scope of the stuff that you're into is pretty amazing. Yeah, I was always curious, I would say, you know, but I was also a little bit more probably opinionated and a little less open-minded. You know, I was a, I was a pretty staunch atheist until I took my first dose of psilocybin on a vision quest out in the mountains and realized like, Oh shit, I got some things wrong. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, there's, there's always points where I realize how foolish I'd been in the past, but you know, I continue to try and just learn and adapt and uh, make friends with what I don't know. 
you got into drugs. And one of the drugs <laughs> that I have been touting for a long time, and you're going to be surprised here, Dr. Drew has been touting for a long time, mm-hmm. and no one wants to listen to us, yep. is the use of nicotine. Mm-hmm. And you, I know, Aubrey, you're a guy, you one of the very few people, voices out there that gives the positive effects of nicotine. Uh, talk a little bit about that, about not only... I mean, the obvious, the appetite satiation and things that people, you know, bodybuilders and stuff banty yeah, about. But, but they could be used for people that are trying to real manage a weight problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could really be good. You, uh, I know you're getting into the snooze and stuff. Like, is there cognitive enhancement there, too? Oh, oh a thousand for, percent. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it really yeah. helps you drop into a really deep focus. And you see why ball players and pitchers and elite operators in the military, you know, choose nicotine, you know, as a, as a really viable option because it's – it's unlike a lot of the other focus cognitive enhances you'll find because it really seems to quiet everything else around and allow you to, to really hone in on what you're targeting. And it's an, a really highly pleasurable experience. And I think people have been scared because there is no doubt about it that cigarettes will fucking kill you. Yeah. You know, like you can't avoid that fact, but there's way better ways to get nicotine in your body. And it's just about risk management. I mean, it's, I th- it's bizarre to me that people confuse nicotine and tobacco. They're yeah, they are they overlap, but they're independent phenomena. Mm-hmm. What's totally. the What's the go to for you, Aubrey? Is, is it the snooze? Go to for me is the snooze. Yeah, I mean, I'll enjoy a cigar, but that's like um, that's what's really snooze? for the the process of it and the ritual of it. It's not the most effective way for me to get the nicotine. I, I use a really um, high strength snooze, so you know it minimizes the amount of time that the packet is in contact with my gums and I can really get the nicotine into my system um, and then just modulate how much I put it, I put it in. And it seems, um, you know, I don't do it every single day, but I'll do it a couple times a week. And it's just a great ally for me to have. And uh, I'm just being mindful that I don't, the nicotine isn't controlling me. And then I think I'm in control of the habit, but really it's in control of my decisions. And do you crave it? I, af- do you crave it afterwards? I don't no. honestly, Good. you know, and it's a, uh, I think that's, I don't have a very addictive personality, but I could see where nicotine could be kind of grabby. You know, Mm -hmm. it's something that's pretty pleasurable and something that you could get used to for sure. Uh, But I think it's just having the discipline to know that, all right, you're playing with something that does have a little stickiness when it comes to addiction, does have some potential risk. So just be mindful. You know, this isn't, you're not playing with the Teletubby here. You know, there's some sharp edges to this thing, but nonetheless, it can be an incredible tool whose benefit outweighs the risk. And uh, the snooze, Drew, that's the uh, little packets, right? You Got it. Pop them in your mouth. I don't know, really know what they are, but I've heard you talk about them. It's very gangster. I feel like you're, you, you, you use snooze, you feel like a, like a tough guy from 1885 or something. <laughs> very gangster. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gang to New York all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very <laughs> awesome. Throwing hatchets and spitting wads. Yeah. I, I notice, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a big admirer of you, and I follow you on Instagram. I, you know, I check out all the things that you're doing, and, uh, you know, I, I, I love a lot of different Onnit products. I know it's your guy. Look, you'll you'll dabble in some jujitsu here and there, some yoga on on a Sunday. Then it's off to throwing axes and uh, walking on a you know a, one of those balance wires, whatever it may be, doing the functional workouts. And all of that is great. And especially a guy like you who does it at a high level. Do do you ever fear or do you ever think with, with other people that um, there's the risk of getting involved in too many things, and then you can lose focus on maybe getting better at one or two? Yeah, that's like the story of my life, yeah. <laughs> I think. But I think my specialty is finding the overlap points, those parts of the Venn diagram where multiple different things meet. 
you know, I'm not a, I'm not a laser, I'm a lantern, you know, and I'm drawing connections from multiple different sources. So for me, it's worked out, you know, there's always going to be someone better than me at any single thing, but are they going to be better than me at five things at 10 things? Probably not, you know, and that's really kind of where I've put my attention is to be really proficient in a lot of different fields. So I could relate with a lot of different people and I could draw the connections and fill in the gaps between those fields and then just rely on the experts for their expertise. I, um, I notice a common thread, not only in your book, but in the, in the go for the win program that, you know, finding your passion and using that as your ally to, to kind of guide you in your life. Obviously it's a beautiful thing if the two can coincide and they can work well. Um, is it, I mean, is it hard sometimes though to, and can it be dangerous though, if let's say I'm, I'm me, I'm five foot 10 and I'm uncoordinated and my passion is to be in the NBA. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like is it, where, where do you draw that line where you're chasing a pipe dream or you're just blindly following your passion? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you have to, you have to recognize what you're really here to do, you know, like what is, what is your purpose? Like what is, what is going to be the greatest fulfillment of, of, of who you are. And, and I think for a while, like I got sidetracked training for an MMA fight, you know, and that was really, and I was doing some heavy sparring and getting my ass kicked regularly. And was that really me doing what I was supposed to do? No, I was me chasing a weird rabbit for my ego's sake to try and prove to myself that I was tough or whatever I needed to prove to myself at that different point. So it was good for me to hang up the gloves and stop taking the concussive brain trauma from doing that. And I think you have to recognize all those points when you're like, why am I doing this? Am I sleeping with too many women for the validation? Am I training MMA just so I can prove something to myself that I don't really need? Am I tracking down this, you know, career because I think it would be cool to be an entrepreneur. You know, you have to figure out why you're doing it and then have be really brutally honest with the self-reflection. I'm glad you brought up sleeping with too many women um, and not because of the boneheaded kind of locker room talk. But one of the things that you mentioned in the book is toxic sex. Mm. And uh-huh. it is it's something that I immediately related to on a, almost like a visceral sense in a visceral sense. But I didn't quite intellectually understand it. What, what do you mean when you're talking about toxic sex? Well, it could be a variety of different things, you know, but I think it goes back to the really goes back to the why, you know, why are you why are you doing this? Like, what is what is the purpose? Is it to really enjoy the experience? Or is this because you don't feel worthy of love? And you don't feel like a man unless you're sleeping with a variety of different females or certain type of females, and you need that, you know, that's the stuff that you got to illuminate because you'll be chasing those dragons down forever and they will never give you fulfillment if you're trying to fulfill your internal sense of worth externally and whether that's in the bedroom or in the weight room it doesn't fucking matter right. like you got to find that stuff inside not find that stuff ex- outside i would argue that it's it's more than just worth it's also regulation right feeling okay yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's a bigger bigger landscape worth sure. is part of it but regulating i will say uh, the lion's share of sex that I had in my life definitely made me feel not okay. I, but it was an attempt to feel okay. Yeah. Like a lot of the drug u- using also made you not okay, but it was an attempt no, to be okay. No, but while I was high, it was okay. Right. And sometimes <laughs> when you're engaged with the sex, sometimes it's okay. And I, afterwards, not okay. Aubrey, I've been sober uh, about 17 years. I really feel like I missed the boat in that I chose all these horrible narcotics. I never, and I never once did... Any of uh, of like the DMT or or anything that I could go on like a vision quest with? I did no hallucinogenics. You, know, I, oh, I, you did MDMA all the time. I did I did uh, LSD, but I would okay. eat sheets of acid. Okay. Like there was no there was no <laughs> there was no self discovery. 
into right. lying in a bathtub in Las Vegas pissing myself. It was you know just what I'm you saying? standing in a mirror screaming. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah <laughs> cutting myself in Amsterdam. There's no, there was no self discovery. Uh, you're huh. a guy who's, I mean, you've you've traveled the world with with shamans and 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 medicine men and women, and you really, really put yourself out there in the world of of kind of plant based medicines. Uh, talk a little bit about that. You give us kind of like the Reader's Digest version of some of these plant-based medicines. And from what I understand from guys like you, guys like Joe Rogan, guys like Dorian Yates, everyone I hear and I talk to, guys in my personal life, none of them, and this I can't say this for any other drug, none of them come back with these negative stories. They all say that they have more appreciation for the world around them and more compassion. Uh, is that, you know, has that been your experience? <laughs> Yeah, undeniably. You know, I wouldn't be where I am, who I am, or, you know, speaking the way I am or understanding the world the way I do uh, without the help of these plants. You know, I owe a lot to them. And, uh, and it's, you know, but it's not the path for everybody. You know, I think this is, um, it's not a panacea. It's not going to fix everything. You have to do a lot of work. And a lot of times these journeys are incredibly uncomfortable. You know, they'll put you in confrontation with your greatest fears. You know, I remember I, the first time I did the um, plant medicine ayahuasca, which is a combination of a couple different vines and leaves uh, from South America. I was taking it in Peru at the time. It's a very old traditional sacrament. I remember the first time I took it and it's DMT containing. So DMT is the active psychedelic in the brew. Um, the first time I took it, it was just about three hours of envisioning the many ways that I could die. And there was spiders crawling in my eyes and exploding in my brain and eels eating my insides. And I was sliding down a vine of thorns naked and combusting in a variety of different ways. And then eventually it found my greatest fear, which was the fear of dying of cancer, like a long, slow, protracted death. And it, you know, in the hallucinogenic state convinced me that that was happening right now. And it forced me to confront and ultimately overcome and accept my fear of death. And since then, you know, it's been a massive boon in helping me alleviate these these fears and the, and the fear of death. But going through the process was hellish. And, you know, I could and elucidate and enumerate countless other times where the experience is really challenging and difficult. But the result is incredibly powerfully positive. It's you know, pretty it's, clear it's, that hallucinogenics are going to should be used in end of life stuff, end of life treatments. Yeah, it's very clear. And mm -hmm. and they're starting to use them therapeutically in other capacities. Yeah, yeah, but the end of life thing is like crystal clear. It should be available, and they, how to use it, and when to use it, and what does that? That's got to get worked out yet, but. Clearly, it works for coming to terms with hopeless situations. Yeah, they've concluded those phase two trials yeah. uh, conducted by Hefter that show pretty unequivocally that it helps with anxiety and depression and end of life care, mm -hmm. and um, really, really powerful, uh, powerful for that. And then you're, you're thinking of also PTSD, also mm -hmm. interpersonal discord, insights, you know, the guided psychotherapeutic experiences. Right, right, have. absolutely. Yeah. It's really just about going in with the right intention, with the right medicine, at the right dose and the right setting and the right provider. Like all of that, if when all of that lines up and you're in the right, it's in, you're in the right position, it can be incredibly beneficial. It's not a guarantee though. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there are people who do have tough experiences that left them worse than when they, than when they right. started. That, that's but, a, the, the ethical issue from the standpoint of medicine, which is all those right things have to be specifically defined so we can try to drop into the right thing at, as much as possible and then understand the risks. Mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't have that yet. But that's, uh, that's why it's not widely used yet. 
And fortunately, though, it's only been recently that the FDA has opened up the ability for labs to test right. it. Still, so, they're they're being weird about it, but it, it'll, it'll get more widespread soon, no doubt. Yeah, and the, and the data will tell the story. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about the scientific method. Yeah. This is no longer anecdotes and yeah. conjecture anymore. This is now hard clinical science. So uh, I'm really excited about this new era that we're entering into where it's not about trip reports and stories anymore. It's about what are the clinical trials showing? Take us through a. By the way, I'm talking to Aubrey Marcus, founder and CEO of Onnit. Take us through like a like a typical Aubrey Marcus day, uh, diet wise, training wise, because uh, you are, as you pointed out, uh, obviously you know living the dream doesn't come without its flaws. But you're you are a man who's living the dream. You got the beautiful life. You got the beautiful company. Everything seems to be going well. You're a smart guy, and you're also shredded to the bone. Got the beautiful girlfriend. You know the whole deal. So. Uh, are you, you a keto guy lifting heavy weights or is this ke- kettlebells and a lot of veganism? What's a, what's a typical day in, in the life of Aubrey when it comes to the training and diet? Yeah, typically the earlier parts of the day, um, pretty keto, and uh, but, but a modified higher protein keto. Mm-hmm. So not like the traditional medical definition of ketogenic diet where it's like 90% fat or over 80% fat, uh, but more of a very low carb diet with a lot very micronutrient rich and drink a lot of green juices, try to have a real diversity of nutrients and food sources that I bring in, but keep it extremely low carb throughout the day. Because I've noticed that when I start playing that game of metabolic ping pong, where I allow my blood sugar to spike and then insulin to dump into my body and then blood sugar to crater, it's just exhausting. And I I end up wavering from periods of a little bit of energy to fatigue, energy to fatigue. And I want to kind of maintain a steady like solid productivity and mental alertness throughout the day. And so eliminating the carbohydrates through the day really helps with that. And then I get my training in typically around four to six, somewhere around there. And that could be really anything. Some days it's sprinting, some days it's playing hoop, some days it's, you know, some kind of martial arts, some days it's lifting heavy. Like today I was out with Kyle Kingsbury and we were squatting and pressing heavy. Oh, nice. Um, And then, but it can really be, be anything. Some days I'll just swim a bunch of laps. Some days I'll do yoga. Um, but I'm almost always doing something. And I don't, I also don't look at working out as like only the time I spend there in the gym. I'll typically hit the gym at some point during the day, but I'm also just trying to move around. I got a trampoline in my office. I'll hit that for 10 minutes. You know, I'll do, do some pushups or some movements or some stretches and try to just keep my body in motion to a certain degree and then occasionally stress it really hard by doing some kind of sprint or doing something that really pushes myself or something moving some heavy weight i could not be like that really no <laughs> no and my my and even though i like working out every day i i my body would not tolerate that why because you need the the just the regimen of like I, it needs i need to do what you got to do and yeah that's it. because it because it, i lose it very very so quickly so like particularly like lifting heavy weight or even even a a a high intensity. I, I, I'm good for if I do it all the time. And that gene testing I had bore that out. Yeah. He actually said that to me without knowing anything about what I was doing. And I was like, yeah, that's it. I, I just, I, he, goes, he said, you should work out seven days a week because you will lose it very, very quickly. And I thought, yeah, that's in fact the case. And it's particularly the idea of what, of what Aubrey's doing in terms of, you know, doing high intensity and then lifting heavy. Can't do it. Could, well, not, could not switch back and forth. Isn't that also because yeah. you're 104 years old? I mean, doesn't that happen? No, I've always been that way. I've always, when I was 24 and really lifting very heavy, I yeah. did the same exact thing. Okay. All right. Yeah, which is making weird. sure. But, but, I, but I do experience the dietary experiences the way he does. Yeah. That, yeah. that, I, that I fully about, understand. What is it? About two months now that we've gotten Dr. Drew to finally listen? Yes. And- yes. And I've gone on like carnivore. 
Yeah, he's been eating. And, oh, wow. and I haven't felt this good in 20 years. That's awesome. I'm not kidding. That's awesome. I am not kidding. Although I've, I've sort of brought it out a little bit. But the closer I stick to carnivore, the better I, better I feel. It's crazy. Yeah. No, I, I feel that too. Digestive distress is eliminated to a great degree as well. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of my vegetable and greens in from pressed green juices, which actually makes it even easier on the digestion. So if I can stick with that, I've really streamlined. And I'll add in a lot of nights, not every night, but I'll add in some carbohydrates at dinner. Uh, I find that I sleep better. And it's Me almost. Too. I almost enjoy the narcotic effect of yeah. carbohydrates at night when I really just want to relax and I don't need to focus and I want to watch a movie and, and crash out to bed. I'll try my best. I'll try my best. I'll go the whole day eating like uh, an absolute caveman and I will stare at the ceiling and I, <laughs> I tell myself, well, I'm not going to go eat food. I'm not going to do it. And then as the time ticks on, I was like, screw it. And I'll go in the kitchen and crush some um, some rice. And next thing I'm, I'm KO'd. I'm out. Something yeah. something about it just it really does. I get, I get none of that. Really? None of that. None of that. Oh, yeah. You're an unlucky man. Yeah. Um, a lot of amazing products at on, and I'm not just saying that uh, to blow smoke, but I'm a big, big proponent of of Alpha Brain. I, uh, I'm a. I big, like your MCT oil too. Yeah, the MCT oh, oil is great, and I like the kettle, those crazy kettlebells with the gorilla faces. <laughs> <laughs> I love those. Drew swinging them all the time. Uh, I got. I, I'm also a big fan of Hemp Force, and I was wondering oh, yeah, how. How, if at all, this is a total like a, a layman's question, but how has the relaxed stance on marijuana, the actual, you know, with the THC, how has that in any way changed your harvesting and use of hemp seeds in any way? Because I know America's weird about the whole plant of, of cannabis. Yeah. Has it, have you found it any easier or has it become any easier over years, over the years? Not really. You know, there's still not large scale hemp seed production going on in the US. I mean there's small there's small farms in Colorado and small farms kind of popping up that are providing it, but we're still getting the majority of our hemp from Canada uh, where they have been less weird and have much more mature crops and aren't worried about stuff going on. I just got a notification yesterday that the Senate is trying to pass some new farm bill that's going to create even more regulation on hemp and hemp products including CBD, hemp seeds and of course uh, THC producing flour as well. But it's just it's just crazy. Like it's over, guys. Stop fighting. Yeah. Like, it's over. You lost. You know. It's like let it be. Is have you also found? I mean, the supplement industry is a shady industry to say the least. Um, you know, I, I, I've been dabbling in in strength training and bodybuilding and all that bullshit for twenty years now, and the, it is rife with snake oil salesmen and shysters. Have you found it difficult? Has it ever been alluring to have the quote-unquote proprietary blends and all the other nonsense that a lot of companies fall into? Because it is easy. It's very easy to just make money selling shit. (laughs) Uh, It depends on how you define easy, right? Like, Is it easy on your soul and your psyche? No, it's a good point. And (laughs) and can you you actually feel like you deserve – what you're earning or will you self-destruct either internally or externally because you know that you've been fucking people the whole time and cheating people. And it, I don't think you get the shortcut out. I mean, you really have to be a sociopath if your goal is to make money taking advantage of other people, because we're really good arbiters of our own justice. And we, when we know that we're perpetrating injustice, we'll bring a reckoning upon ourselves. And you see that over and over again with people who've done stuff the wrong way. So it's really not a hard choice for me. I just understand that if I don't do it the right way, 
I'm going to feel horrible right. and I'm going to punish myself in some way, shape or form. So I'm not going to enjoy whatever thing that I think I won. What's coming yeah. down the pike? Do you guys have anything exciting you're working on? Can you talk yeah, about it? Tons of, yeah, tons of stuff. I'm really excited about our uh, protein bars uh, that we're coming out with. They're super low carb and they're based on a 60 different plant ingredient uh, combination. So it really optimizing the, this kind of micronutrient profile. I mean, most people won't have 60 different nutrients in their whole life, you know, and yeah. now we're getting it in each different individual bar. Um, it's hard to get it hard to get the low, low carb too. That's good. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Super good. It's like three, three to five grams um, of sugar per bar and very low carb, everything all low net carb as well. So really a uh, really clean bar. And I'm excited about that. Uh, excited about that coming. Um, we got some interesting stuff. We're just having cool meetings. We're going into like a real uh, exciting product development life cycle. And I probably can't, should, can or shouldn't talk about too much more, but sure. um, Give us a, a lot of cool hint, stuff coming up. Hint, what kind of area are you looking at? Well, there's a couple areas in food that I think, and I think really trying to imagine these things that we've stopped eating because it's just not possible if you're trying to stay away from sugar. You know, and then say, what if we did it a different way with different constituents and using stevia and monk fruit and erythritol and xylitol? Like, and, and that's already started. It's not like we're starting that trend, but we, I think we have some ideas to extend that trend into some different fields. So that's exciting. God, I, sh- I should then, put you a tie. I've got a friend that makes these great protein cookies using all those sorts of sweeteners and things, and just they're fantastic. And they are yeah, really it's awesome. Pr- pr- you can make some amazing protein products. Have you, you had the amazing it, shit? Yeah, anything the that you love. Bites? The on it protein bites like little no. oh dude oh, okay I'm in those are those uh, are the gangbangers I'm in right I'm there. in those oh, that's the g shit yeah <laughs> yeah anything that you love and have loved since you're a kid there's a way to remake that yep in in a healthy way yep. and it just hasn't been done yet that's right that's, that's right yeah so so we're we're taking a look at that that's pretty interesting and then I'm really curious about the best way to utilize exogenous ketones and that's also a field that's been uh, you know, been explored a bit, but, you know, so we're taking our time with that and making sure that we, um, we're really careful with the line that we end up coming out with. Uh, if we end up coming out with something that we're really happy with, but I've experimented with a variety of different things and I've found some pretty good success. So, um, that's something I'm excited about. There's, you know, a couple different things that are really interesting to me at this point. Have you ever gone far in on development and gotten excited about a product that on it and it ended up not panning out? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I've produced products that, you know, and by didn't pan out, I mean, didn't sell well. Right. Know? No, I meant more so that like you had a really good idea. Maybe you were getting into didn't, a different. Didn't, didn't take it to market because it wasn't, didn't yeah. aim, turn out to be what you thought it was. <clears throat> you know, you do so much research that usually, you know, some of these ideas get killed like pretty early on. I right. don't think there's anything that we've gone all the way. I mean, there's, there's one product that I was working on a fulvic mineral supplement and, you know, fulvic, fulvic acid is great for um, mineral absorption and has some shown some benefits to testosterone production, has a great micronutrient-rich profile, and I was enjoying using it. And we took it right to the final stage where we'd flavored it and everything was looked lined up to be like a, a really solid product. And then they did stability testing right at the last minute and decided that they needed to add citric acid like a lot of citric acid to keep it to keep it shelf stable and it just destroyed the flavor and we'd already produced the batch and so now we just came out with this 
fucking shit sandwich flavored, <laughs> flavored fulvic minerals. And it is still effective, but it was so painful to drink. I just ended up discontinuing the product. I was like, I, what are we doing here? Right. You know, this is horrible. I detest doing this every day. Like nobody else wants to do it. It's not like I'm taking some, you know, something that's so incredible that it's worth the punishment of the flavor. I, so I think there's you, been some times like that. I noticed, I'm not sure you, do you guys don't have a pre or, or, or um, probiotics. Do you? Yeah, the yeah gut we have our stuff. total gut health. Oh, tell yeah. us about that, man. I didn't re- I'm not aware of this. Tell that. So it's a combination of um, and betaine HCL. So increasing the hydrochloric acid has our digestive enzyme blend. Has a five strain probiotic, which is some of the familiar things you'll see, and then an additional Saccharomyces boulardii, which is uh, actually helps your mycobiome, which is your fungal microbiome in your stomach as well, um, and also some prebiotics that come from. Uh, dandelion root and um and dandelion leaf and so puts that put that all together in a gut pack something you can take with you rip open eat with a meal and um really helps not only get the probiotics in there but also helps you digest your food a little better and i i was you know looking linking back to you know go for the win and and reading the book i was thinking to myself of how many times I flat out been intimidated. I might have a great idea. I might have a passion. I might find something that I think is my quote unquote purpose. And I was scared. I was just frankly intimidated. I thought that that was too much for me to bite off. And looking at a guy like you who seemingly is scared of nothing, has conquered everything that's gotten his way. Was there ever times where you you did feel that way? Did you think that on it was not a reality that could be brought to fruition? I mean, were, were you ever just staring at, at something that you thought was just too daunting to follow through with? I mean, I was terrified that on it was going to fail for like the first four years straight. You know, every day I would look at it like, this is too good to be true. What's going to happen? Who's going to, you know, what what regulatory you know, thing is going to come in, what lawsuits going to happen, what mistake are we going to make, you know, what, and I think, you know, just, you just kind of, you know, sack up and, and start going and and the fear slowly gets replaced with experience and a a kind of a quiet self-confidence that comes from just having been there in the battles and taking your wins and taking your losses. And I think that's, that's really what happened, but certainly this isn't a, a story of fearlessness. This is a story of, you know, just enough courage to get it over the line and then, you know, doing your best to manage those emotions as they come up. Do you think everyone has that in them and they suppress it or there's haves and have nots? I mean, because a lot of people like to pass off, oh, that guy's just a lazy piece of shit or that guy, you know, he's just he's just never going to follow through with anything. But there's a million factors that go into someone becoming the person that they are. Do you think that really anyone, if they if they found it within themselves, has that warrior spirit? I do. I mean, I, I don't think the species would have survived if that wasn't really in in us, you know. Yeah. And I think human beings share a lot more in common than we give credit. But I think habituation pattern and momentum is a huge thing, you know. I think rather than this being an innate characteristic, I think this is based upon small choices that you've made over time. And we're so, so dependent on this early momentum. So did you, you know, accept the challenges that came to you early and fight to overcome them, however small they were? Or did someone, you know, shield you from those? Or were you told that you were incapable and incompetent and believed that story early on and cowed from those challenges and shrugged responsibility in all of these small little battles? 
you know, and that's the, really what ends up creating the full grown adult human. And it's even harder to change course when you have this mountain of momentum against you. Now, it's certainly possible and anybody can decide at any point to forgive their past and start off on a new track. But I think really this is a story of momentum, not innate capability or an innate set of characteristics. You know, we used to be a country, I think, of human optimization. I, I don't think we really um, create that now. It was just an article today that came out that said IQ is dropping in this country. And they go, oh, it must be the fluoride exposure in pregnancy. I'm like, no, we, we, are, we are not optimizing people. We're not giving them what they need to, to optimize. And it's being reflected in our cognition. Do you think it's that or do you think it's the fact that we work more than ever and get more, less time to be ourselves than ever? I don't think we work more than ever. I no. think we fuck off more than ever. No. You know, I think we're really on the phone, on TV, distracted. You know, the, all of these things are very short thought loops. You know, they're very, they require very little thinking, very little deep brain activity. Right. They're just kind of jumping from one thing to the, to the other. So when you're required to really sit and think and focus about something, you haven't flexed that muscle. I mean, you're just think, used to this perpetual distraction. Right. Yeah. Think, I mean, think of people, people, everyone has the Dunning-Kruger problem now. Everyone thinks they know everything and they actually know nothing. They can just, they just have access to information. And so right. I've noticed with the millennials, they really believe they're experts in everything and they don't, they don't know anything. And think think about the difference between looking something up and having to read and research what there is about a, a topic and then present it to somebody else in writing or speech. That sure. requires a very different brain activity Absolutely. than just, hey, I'm just going to look it up on this little device here. And maybe I can read what's off it and tell you what I – for a millisecond, I'll remember it and tell you what I learned. That's different than researching, processing, analyzing, synthesizing, and then presenting we don't do that. But okay, well let's take it for uh, let's say the IQ is dropping and the IQ is going to be dropping for even people who didn't go to college and aren't erudite. So that means a guy like me in 1940 who was the same guy who didn't go to college and isn't a a learned man. What is the difference between a guy like me and a guy in 1945 and a guy like me now if both of those dudes didn't present things and study and research and blah 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 you know what i'm saying like what what's they, the missing factor is it is they, it the phone and the tv the phone and the tv and they were given challenges during secondary school yeah back then yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah i also think look there's no more healthy boredom was <laughs> and there's right. no right no no more and, and no more healthy boredom and no more no more grit no more grinding it out well i i maybe that may be true that may be true but also i remember i was at the car wash the other day and, okay, guys, watch my car. And I'm looking at my phone, endlessly looking at my phone. And I got overwhelmed by this feeling of like, oh, my gosh, 20 years ago, I'd go to the car wash. You know what I'd do? Sit there. I'd go for a walk, maybe. Yeah. I'd, pick up the, <laughs> I'd pick up the paper. Mm-hmm. I'd just think. I'd just actually sit there and think. Well, you know what I'd do when i take a shit 20 years ago? <laughs> I'd think. I would think about stuff. I would come up with ideas. I would come up with funny radio bits or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I, you know what I'd do when i take a shit now? Take one guess. Phone. Yeah. But, but the spontaneity of being and thinking is what's missing. Yeah, that's a that's a an engine that has to be sort of muscled. It's a muscle that has to be exercised. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and reading, you yeah, know, reading is mean, part think, of that too. Yeah, and and I think you're describing the grit in a way that you know that barreling through when you felt bad and weren't sure on your feet, and mm-hmm. then soon you were. <laughs> it took going through that to get there. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. 
Aubrey, if there's anything else you'd like to get to, believe me, I'm more, th- I'm all ears. But I am, uh, I'm really, I'm just honored that you took the time out of your day. I know it was a, a hassle, and I know it's been a long time coming. It was <laughs> like no two or three failed tries uh, that we uh, we couldn't get it done, but we finally got it done. And uh, we're, I, we're, I, I've been as vocal as you, but I'm a huge, fan. I've always been a fan of Honest stuff. Yeah, I love their stuff. I appreciate no, that. You really, so what you've been able to accomplish is is really admirable, and you make excellent products. I'm a, I'm a big fan and a big supporter. And uh, like I said, I, I you know I picked up the book and I, I can't recommend it enough. Own the day, own your life. Optimize practices for walking, working, learning, eating, training, playing, sleeping, and sex is the book. Um, it, it, in closing, I also want to say, uh, tell your tell your girlfriend she does an excellent job as a ringside reporter on Glory. Yeah, I'll she tell really. Her. I mean, she really does a that. fantastic job. I was like, oh, here we go. Okay, I. I wonder how she got this gig. Jeez, I mean, <laughs> you know, Whitney does a fantastic job. She's really, she's like a very, very competent broadcaster. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll definitely let her know. I appreciate that for sure. And we get to hang with Ellis tomorrow. He's coming out oh. to. Uh, oh, that's right. Invitational. <laughs> the Jiu-Jitsu Invitational. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you made a, a prime choice by choosing Jason Ellis to be a color <laughs> play-by-play guy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna be awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I really do appreciate it. Thank you, dude. Yeah, appreciate you guys. All right, see you. The Go for the Win course is available online. Just look up Aubrey Marcus Go for the Win. I do recommend it. Aubrey Marcus on Twitter and Instagram at Aubrey Marcus and of course at On It on Twitter and Instagram for everything on it. He is the CEO and the founder. That was a, a great conversation. And thank you to everybody who tuned in, who subscribes. You make this happen, and we certainly appreciate it. And from Dr. Drew and from me, Michael D. Cathwood, thank you so much. That is the swole Petrizol. I want to welcome True Niagen to the show. True Niagen is a dietary supplement designed to boost a key cellular resource called NAD, also called nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. A lot of research being done on NAD, and while the science is still preliminary, I've been watching these studies for a while, and I've been really impressed. It's so exciting because these studies are showing that the increased NAD levels may potentially help with cellular metabolism, regulating circadian rhythm, and they've even hoped that this may someday slow the effects of aging. Now, while these studies are very early, the science is impressive and the biohacking community has gotten behind this research. I've been intrigued by the possibilities surrounding NAD and the research behind True Niagen. Check it out. The research is there. The literature is quite good. Check out the website for yourself. And I even had the chance before I brought these guys on board to speak with the company's chief scientific advisor. In fact, I put myself on True Niagen after speaking to Dr. Charles Brenner. Great discussion. Piqued my interest further. I'm still watching this literature. Look for that interview on the Dr. Drew podcast in June. Now, to learn more about the research, science, and the True Niagen supplements, visit TrueNiagen.com. That is T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N, TrueNiagen.com. Go there today. Hey, everybody. It is the Swole Patrol podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Catherwood. And Dr. Drew is at Dr. Drew, of course. Join the email list today. Send your questions, drdrew.com slash contact and put swole at the top of the email so we can get your comments and this will get you a weekly email reminder with a link to this show and all the great shows that dr drew and i do and all the shows that dr drew does by himself and of course with adam carolla the great ace man please tell a friend and subscribe on itunes don't forget to rate us five stars and on podbean or google play all three help us out we also are on youtube slash dr drew and uh hope you can give us all your comments, even if they're if you're a troll and you want to destroy our feelings and our emotions. Support our sponsors and the show. Click on the banners on drdrew.com for the links 
for special discounts for the products Dr. Drew and I endorse 100%. Send questions and comments to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Swole Patrol Podcast, or on Twitter at Swole Patrol Pod. And uh, be good, be swole, hashtag Swole Patrol.